This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Hey, good to see all of you this morning. Glad you can be with us here today. Praise God. Everybody say it together. This is the day that the Lord is made. Therefore, I will rejoice. What are we going to do? We're going to do what? And be what? Glad in Him. Amen. Isn't that right? Praise God. I got, you know, something supernatural occurred today. You say, what's that? Well, I forgot my Bible at the house on the bed right there, you know, ready to go. So we get to church, realize I forget my Bible. So Joan says, I'll go get it, no problem. And so she, she's heading back the other direction. And eight minutes later, she's walking in the door of the church. I said, now that's a miracle. Because <laughs> I live 13 miles away, so something happened. <laughs> Only to discover that, uh, well, she, inter- she had her daughter intervene and uh, brought my Bible. So you say, well, were you worried? Well, no, not really. I mean, after 40-some years, you ought to be able to say something halfway decent. You know what I'm saying? Even if you don't have a Bible. But I am grateful. So praise God. And you probably will be too. Glory to God. Did you all bring a Bible with you this morning? Let's open our Bibles to 1 John, the first epistle of John, um, chapter 5. And, of course, we want to welcome all of you that are watching uh, via the Internet. We're delighted you can be with us. Praise God. Hope you have a Bible there where you can get into the Word of God with us and be taught. Hallelujah. We especially want to invite all of you uh, later this this morning for uh, some burgers, hot dogs, and I think they have both kinds of fries for all of you, you know, discriminating palates. We might as well ask the question again. How many of you are into the... uh, Crinkle. Boy, there's a strong contingency right down here. And how many of you just like the, the flat ones? Okay, it's about 50-50, so I guess a probably a good thing we bought them both. We do have them both, don't we? Where's my son? Huh? What's that? Frying french fries, yeah. yeah okay, praise God. All right, let's, uh, let's pray together, and we'll get into what I want to share with you today. Father, we love you. And it is without question a privilege that we have to come before you, Father God, today. I thank you for the privilege we have to behold wonderful things from your holy word. We thank you, Lord God, that you've given us faith. That, Father, we're not of people which draw back toward destruction, but rather we are those that believe to the saving of the soul. And so, Father, we thank you for our future. We thank you for the blessed hope that we have in Christ. We thank you for the fulfillment and the culmination of all things that you ordained long ago, before, even before the foundations of this world. And Father God, I thank you for the glory, oh, the glory that will be revealed. And we thank you for your blessing in this house today, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Praise God. I tell you what, for the child of God, your future is bright. Did you hear me? Now, I don't know what you've been thinking about or what you've been looking at, but I'll tell you this much about it, praise God. There is nothing but victory in front of you. Hallelujah. Now, you may have to, you know, uh, deal with some different stuff uh, moving forward, but thank God he's given you victory 
And praise God, you have the privilege to be able to walk in the light of that. Amen. Well, our scripture this morning that I want to use for a text is found in 1 John chapter 5. Notice with me in verse 4, the Bible says that whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our, what's that next word? Our what? Our faith. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world but he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God? I don't know about you, but I tell you what, like I said before, I'm excited about his coming. How many of you know he's coming again? Praise God. And, you know, our ambitions here as a local church is to prepare people, praise God, for that event. Amen. Because God wants us to be ready to meet him at his coming. You know, John the Baptist was actually sent as a forerunner before Jesus. And he was sent to prepare people for his coming. He preached a message of repentance, uh, baptism of repentance, and he prepared people for Jesus' coming. Well, you know, as a, as a church and as a pastor, part of the responsibility that I have is to feed and to lead the flock of God. He said, feed the flock of God over which God has given you the oversight, taking the oversight thereof. Hallelujah. And so that's, that's what I'm endeavoring to do. I want to be found faithful, praise God, when the time comes and Jesus appears that we've done everything we can to get people ready for his coming. Hallelujah. Throughout the scriptures you find, particularly in the New Testament, things that Jesus said about watching, you know, what I say unto all, I, or what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. And he gave different parables talking about, you know, if the goodman of the house would have known at what hour the thief came, he would have been watching. Hallelujah. So, you know, you read in the scriptures when, his, when he first came 2,000 years ago, you know, there were people like Simeon and there was Anna who was a prophetess. And all of them were people that were looking for the coming or the first coming, I should say, of the Messiah. Hallelujah. And now the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, it says, for those who look for his coming, will he appear a second time? I don't know about you, but I'm looking. Huh? Hallelujah. You say, well, what does that mean? That means, praise God, I'm endeavoring to align my life with the purposes of God, the plan of God, the will of God, and what it is he would have me to do as a human being, as an individual, as someone who has been called by his name. That's the responsibility of each and every one of us as children of God. Amen. You can't put it off on grandma. You know, you can't put it off on mom or dad. You know, it's just a thing that you have to make a decision about how it is that you are going to live. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So we're preparing, praise God. Not only that, but we're, we're, not, we're teaching people the word of God, hallelujah. And we're doing it so that people will be rooted and grounded. Rooted, grounded, and not soon. Matter of fact, why don't you just look at this scripture with me? This is, this is off you know, this is not unusual for me, but this is off target. We're going to go somewhere else. Would that be all right? Good, because we're going anyway. Uh, Colossians, notice here what it says here. In Colossians chapter 2, glory to God. Amen. Notice what it says here. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 4. It says, this I say, and this I say, lest any man should beguile you. 
with enticing words. In other words, you know, um, a, a something that would try to trip you up or cause you to think differently. It goes on to say, for though we be absent in spirit, yet are we with you in, or absent in the flesh, we're with you in spirit, yet I am with, or sorry, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in who? In who? In Christ. And then he goes on to say, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk ye in him. Now to walk means, of course, to, it's speaking figuratively about pursuing a course of life, a manner of life, how you live, how you relate to people around you. Are you a lover or are you just, you know, all about you? We live in a world right now that's all about them. But you know, if praise God, you're going to walk with Jesus, it's not always going to be about you. Thanks for your enthusiasm. But I tell you what, praise God, love never fails, does it? You know, and he's given us a commission to love one another as he loved us. And so we can do that. Everybody say, I can do that. Yeah, you can do that. Glory to God. It's a, it's a choice. Now, sometimes we don't always want to. And you know, it seems like the more, the ornerier people get, the, the more challenging it can be. But thank God we can still do it. Can you say amen? amen. Praise God. So he says uh, to be rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught abounding therewith, uh, therein with thanksgiving. Now notice this verse. Beware. Everybody say beware. beware. Underline that word. Beware. Lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. That's what the King James says. Um, I guess uh, that's King James as well. I could say it this way. It says, beware lest any man spoil you through intellectualism and nonsense. I've heard a lot of nonsense. Have any of you heard a lot of nonsense lately? Huh? Well, he said, beware of that. In other words, don't be fooled. You know, people, I tell you what, praise God, they got all kinds of ideas, all of which are intended to help fit whatever it is that they feel like that they want. But this isn't about us. It's about him. It's about the king. It's about the master. Praise God, it's about the victorious one. And he has called us to walk in his ways, not that of the world. So it says to beware so that you're not spoiled through intellectualism and vain deceit or nonsense after the tradition of men, hallelujah, after the rudiments of the world and not after Jesus or after Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are complete in him. Aren't you glad for that this morning? You know, the reason that it's saying that is, is because, you know, there's no program of works that can justify you in the sight of God. There is only the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the price that he paid, and you and I acknowledging or recognizing what it is that he's done and coming under the authority of what it is he's provided so that we can have life and life more abundant. Now, you know, the Bible teaches good works, but you need to know that good works don't save you. Did you hear me? Now, the other flip side of that is, is that, you know, some, many people have just thrown off all constraints. 
So they're way down on the other end of the spectrum doing whatever they want, you know, and thinking that, that it's all right, you know, you're your own person and so on and so forth. Well, you know, somewhere in the middle is the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ and to walk in Him. Everybody say, I can do that. Yeah, we can do it, praise God, if we choose to. So as we go back to the verse of Scripture that we read as our text this morning, we, we see in that scripture, it says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that causes us to overcome even our faith. The New Living Translation says, every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. Who can win this battle against the world? Only those that believe that Jesus is the Son of God. But here's the question I've uh, kind of posed to you for the last couple of weeks, because Jesus Christ is the victorious one. He rose victorious out of, you know, death, hell, and the grave, praise God. And he said, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Well, the Bible here, we just got done reading, says that whoever believes overcomes the world. This is, you know, the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. So my question has been, how is that realized? In other words, experientially, how is it that I, as a believer, get to enjoy the victory that is in Christ Jesus? Because after all, he didn't come for himself, he came for us. And so the simple answer to that is a thing called faith. In other words, we believe what it is that God has said, and we walk in the light of that truth, even though we presently may not be experiencing it. For we walk by faith and not by what? Sight. Now, so if we'll learn to do that, praise God, then we can realize the victory that we have in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And I thank God, you know, for the resurrection of Jesus, don't you? Glory to God. God raised him from the dead. Death, the Bible says, could not hold him in the grave. When Pre Peter was preaching, he started preaching, you know, on the, well, actually, this was the day of Pentecost. And he took some verses out of Psalm 16, verse 8. And while he was preaching, he said that it was not possible that, that death could hold Jesus in the grave. And he quoted a verse of Scripture that David had written. And it says here, uh, I'll just read it to you in Acts chapter 2, whom God raised up, speaking of Jesus, having loosed the pains or pangs of death, because it was not possible. Everybody say, not possible. It was not possible that he should be held by it. For David said concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, and he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced, my tongue was glad, moreover my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in hell, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You've made known unto me the ways of life, and you will make me full of joy in your <clears throat> excuse me, presence. What does that mean? Well, what Peter was saying is, is that, you know, the prophet David said that it was not possible that he should be holden because the Bible says that, praise God, he would not allow him to stay in hell. 
So in other words, what you and I can uh, bring or take away from this is the simple fact that when you find a promise in the Word, when you find something that God says about your life, glory to God, when He says, I'll take sickness from the midst of you and the number of your days I will fulfill, glory to God, that's God's promise to the child of God. And it's faith that causes you to realize or experience what it is that that promise offers to you. Are you with me? So when, when uh, Peter was preaching, he said it wasn't possible that death would hold him because God said that he would not leave him there, but rather he would resurrect him, praise God, and all authority, all power, glory to God forevermore, all of it would become King Jesus's. Glory to God. And that's why it's important for us to believe the scriptures and know what it is that God has said. So the resurrection of Christ was really the final and ultimate act to free you and I from the penalties of sin and death. You know, death or yeah, death is an enemy. It's an enemy. And the Bible tells us it's the last thing that's going to get put under our feet. Hallelujah. You know, I just got a call this morning when my brother... He uh, was in Florida. His, his uh, daughter's been having some uh, health problems and challenges. And, and when he got down to Florida, his wife ended up in the hospital. And so he was asking for prayer. And so we were praying, you know. And, and uh, I just got to thinking about the fact that, praise God, you know, he's put all things under our feet. Are you listening to me? You know, I mean, <clears throat> now think about this with me, you know. Uh, um, you know, my, my sister-in-law, surely she's full of years and things of that nature, but she's having some health conditions and things. But listen, death is not the final. Uh, it, it really, it's the beginning. When physical death is put under your feet, dude, it, now, now, now it's going to get exciting. Are you listening to me? And yes, there, there may be that separation for a time, but always remember that in the economy of God that, you know, a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years. That's not the way you and I view it because, you know, we figure, you know, 80, 100 years, whatever, you know, that you're going to live. But I tell you what, my friends, passing from this life to the next is only the beginning. You know, when Paul was writing, he said that in the ages to come, he would show his kindness to you and I that he has given to us or shown toward us. Ages. Now, we're living in the church age, all right? You say, what's that mean? When Jesus died, rose again from the grave, the church was born. And he said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. Did you hear me? The gates of hell will never prevail against the church. Why? Because he, re he won the victory. Yes. Amen. Now, you might see a lot of things in terms of behavior and failures and all of these different things that occur in people's lives, but the gates of hell will not prevail against Christ's church. Are you listening to me? So we win. Everybody say, I win. Amen. Yeah, amen. Glory to God. Now, there might be things that go on in your life that weren't necessarily your desires or your will, but I'm telling you, at the end of the day, praise God, when you get to heaven, it won't matter. Are you listening to me? 
So thank God for what we can, you know, do here in this life based upon the redemption that we have in Christ. But I tell you what, we've got this blessed hope to thank God for and to look to him and know glory to God that if the God be for us, then who in the world can be against us? Are you listening to me? So I tell you, you've got all the reason in the world to rejoice. You have all the reason in the world to be glad. You have all the reason in the world, praise God, to sing his praises because of what it is that he's done for you. Hallelujah. You say, well, how does that help me? Well, how, what's wrong with you? How does it help you? Glory to God. It gives you hope. It gives you something to look forward to. Thank you, Lord. You know, it's not always about you. Keep coming back to that theme. Better keep moving. Glory to God. Yeah, death, it's our enemy. The nemesis of mankind or for man is sin. Sin is, you know, the result of Adam's transgression. The Bible says that all of us are born into sin. But thank God Jesus came. Amen? Now, why is that important? Because you can't do anything about the nature of sin. But he did. Are you with me? That's why there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's why the Son of God, Jesus Christ, came and gave his life and shed his blood as the spotless Lamb of God. Amen? No one else was qualified to take the place that was necessary to satisfy the demands of justice except Jesus Christ. So for all of the other religions that are in the world, I mean, they can do whatever it is that they want, but there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we can or must be saved. So when someone tells you there are a lot of different ways to God, you better be careful about what it is they're telling you. Because it's inconsistent with what the Word of God says. You know, unfortunately, one of the characteristics of the nature of sin is that it wants to bow its neck against God. And it wants to do things its way, not God's way. Are you with me? You know, when Adam, in the, in the garden, when he and his wife disobeyed God, and they partook from the tree that they were not to take from, when God asked him what had happened, you know, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't uh, accept the responsibility. That's what sin does. Not my fault. That's what sin does. Somebody else's fault. Blame somebody else because not me. He said, the woman you gave me, she's the one that caused this to happen. Everybody say, thank God for women. Don't you love women? Well, you're only supposed to love one. You, you know what I'm saying? Keep that in the right context. He said, it's the woman you gave me. So what did he do? What a wuss. I mean, he just, he's passed the buck. He said, she's the one. She, she, she caused it. And that's what sin does. The, one of the characteristics of sin is that it blames other people. It never takes responsibility for itself. You know, I think about Cain and Abel. 
You know, here they have these two sons, and, and uh, the first murder occurs over an offering. Huh. Think about that. First time they... See, they knew what the requirements were. It doesn't... There's no record of that. But the Bible talks about how that Abel bought the firstling of his flock... He got the very best of what it was that belonged to him, and he brought it to God as an offering, and it was acceptable. And so what's Cain do? He goes out in a pasture someplace and picks up a bunch of onions and brings them in and says, here you go. <clears throat> and God basically said, listen, you know what, what is being asked of you? Sin lies at the door, and you need to rule over it. And he didn't do it. Killed his brother. Huh? And caused lots of problems. That's what sin does. It destroys people's lives. You say, well, I haven't killed anybody. No, I'm not talking about, you know, we're just using that as an example. I'm just talking about disobedience. That's what sin is. It's when we disobey God. When we say things we shouldn't say. When we do things we shouldn't do. Guess what? That's sin. If it isn't something that is, you know, if it's displeasing to God, then it's, it's sin. Am I in the right house? That's why we need Jesus. Why? Because we are fully capable of sinning. I don't know if you knew that or not, but, yeah, check it out. Thank God for the life of God and Jesus coming. He rose victorious and gave us the victory so that we could not allow sin to have dominion over us. You know, you, you know a lot of times folk will say, well, I just can't help it. Well, that's not true, dude. Now, you might believe that, but you're being lied to. Am I in the right house? It isn't that you can't. It is it, it, it's simply you don't want to. Thanks. You know, I get such, such you know, oh, arousing, you know, applause from the truth. You want your life to straighten out? You want things to be better? Then you got to put yourself under the authority of God's Word and say, Father, teach me your ways. You're right. I'm wrong. Are you with me? And I tell you what, if you'll do that, God will bless you for it. Amen? I said amen? amen. Come on, one more time. Amen? amen? Yeah, I just want to make sure you're with me. Glory to God. Amen. So thank God for what it is that he's done. Look at this. Let's look at uh, a, a few scriptures here. Look at, uh, I don't even know where you're at now. We've been a lot of places. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 2. Were you in Colossians? Yeah, is that where you were? Look at Ephesians here with me. Y'all glad you came today? You know, if you don't like my preaching, maybe you'll like the hamburgers. Yeah, they're on their way. Glory to God. Look what it says here in Ephesians. In uh, chapter 2, look with me if you would please. Verse 1, and you, now the King James says, hath he quickened. These are actually words that are italicized. They, they actually weren't there. They're, they're placed in there for readability. So if you take hath he quickened out, notice what it says. And you who were dead in trespasses and sin. So the Bible describes the human being, <clears throat> you and I. And where we were. How many of you know that we were, yeah, dead in trespasses and sin? What do we mean by that? We mean, see, death in the scriptures, as it's being defined here, means to be separated from God. Okay? 
In other words, you have not the life of God in you. For 19 years, I was without God until I made a decision to invite him into my heart and into my life and make him Lord. And then he came and placed his life in me. But in this scripture, it says, you who were dead in trespasses and sin. You know, if you wonder why people do what they do, it's because they have not the life of God that's in them. I mean, it's not in them. So they behave after their nature, which is that of sin. And so they lose conscience sometimes of what's right and wrong, and pretty soon anything goes. Are you with me? Yeah. So here it says, you who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, dominated by the devil, basically. Yeah? The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. And I tell you what, my friend, I have never seen it work like it's working right now. Huh? Now, notice it says, among, among whom also we all had our, the King James used the word conversation, really it's manner of life, in time pass in the lusts or desires of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and mind, and listen, were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But oh, thank God, I said thank God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And he has raised us up together. And he's made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I want you to notice verse 5 again. It says, even when we were dead in sin, he quickened us together. Well, how does that work? In other words, what God did in Christ opened the door for you to be made alive in Christ even when you were dead in sin. In other words, something took place that God provided for you as he has for all of mankind. Hallelujah. So that you could be born again. Now you have to accept it, you have to receive it, but I'm telling you it's available to you. Are you listening to me? You who are dead, he has quickened. Well, there's a lot of folk that have yet to be made alive or quickened when they receive Christ and become a child of God. In other words, there's a promise that awaits them. There's a promise that awaits you. There are things in the Bible that God wants you to be able to experience. There are things that he wants you to be able to realize in this life. Are you with me? And the way, again, that it's done is through this thing called faith. Everybody say, I believe. Amen. Glory to God. We're not going to draw back. We're going to move forward. And really, you know, what that really boils down to is just making a decision to be a doer of the word. Let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Something else here I want you to read with me. We'll just read the Bible. Hallelujah. <clears throat> I love the word, don't you? Praise God. Such an encouragement. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, let's start with verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. In other words, if religion is just a crutch to get you through this life, then you are in a real mess. 
Because I want you to know, dear, dear friend, that there's a whole lot more to eternal life than your existence right here, right now. There is something coming. Glory to God. That is, again, I say it all the time, but it's true out of this world. It's not of this world. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. He said, if it was, my subjects would fight. But I'm going to set up an eternal, everlasting kingdom. Glory to God. And all of the enemies that have once been mine are going to be put in jail forever. Hallelujah. And you and I are going to have the privilege of being able to enjoy the life and the eternal blessing of God because we are subjects of his kingdom. So in the meantime, while we're on the way, huh? glory to God, we might as well enjoy the blessing of God before we get there. Hallelujah. In other words, let's, let's, let's get a little down payment before we go. Notice with me in 1 Corinthians, again, Verse 19, if, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. You know, I got, I'm sorry, can't keep reading or got another, something else to say. You know, people, you know, they'll mock you for being a believer, being a child of God, talking about, you know, your whole thing and, you know, Christian crutch, uh, you know, doesn't amount to anything. You know what? They won't be saying that. I said, they won't be saying that when they pass from this life to the next. They won't be mocking. They'll be wailing. Are you listening to me? So let them, let them do their dirt. Let them say whatever it is they want to say. But dear friend, I'm telling you what. Jesus is going to bring about a reckoning for every man, woman, and child. Are you listening to me? So you want to be on the right side of that equation. Are you listening to me? You know, I did the same thing. You know, as a kid growing up, you know, you just, you say and you do and you act and you behave just whatever you've been taught. You know, some of you will say, well, you know, they need religion because they need a crutch. Well, we, you don't need religion, dear friend. Religion is man-made, but Christianity in Christ is God-made. Are you with me? And you need him. So, you know, I mean, yeah. Anyway, so notice again, it says here, I'm trying to read this, but you keep interrupting me. Glory to God. We are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, talking about Adam, by man came also, talking about Jesus, the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruit, afterwards they that are Christ at his coming. And then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Thank you, Jesus, for having delivered us and given us life. Glory to God. We're going to heaven. If you're a child of God, if you're a believer, guess what? You're going to heaven. You're not going to hell. 
The Bible says that hell is moved to meet those that are going there at, at their coming. I think about that in the world in which we live and some of the corrupt people, leaders, and what it is that's going on. I think about that scripture all the time. That's why they need to be prayed for. You say, I don't want to pray for them. You need to. Huh? They're just blind, dead, and don't know it. Are you with me? So what Jesus did, he did for us, and we owe him everything that we are. Are you listening to me? I tell you what, it would be, I mean, it would behoove you to recognize that he alone is the one that is deserving of your life. And to follow him as best you know how to be a believer. Glory to God. So, and, and the reason, you know, is because he gave us the victory. Glory to God. We have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, we're, you're right there. Look at this verse of Scripture. Drop down in the same uh, chapter. Notice what it says in verse 55. I could read all this to you, but you can read it for yourself sometime. Verse 55, O death, where is your sting? Just thinking about my brother and the circumstances that he's dealing with. Yes, there is pain. You know, when we lose someone, you know, there is that sense of loss. But I tell you what, praise God, victory, uh, the victory is God's, not death. Are you with me? Oh, oh, gra- or, oh death, where is your victory? Oh grave, where is, or I'm sorry, where is thy sting? And oh grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be unto God. Everybody say hallelujah. Yeah, thanks be unto God that gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Everybody say, I got the victory. Now, you may not feel like you got the victory. It may not look like you got the victory. But I'm telling you, he has given you the victory. Hallelujah. So this is what it tells us to do in the last verse. Y'all still glad you came? Look what it says here, last verse. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye what? Yeah. And what's the next word? Unmovable. And then what? Always, 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 always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know, when you do something for somebody, praise God, because the Lord told you to do it, there's a reward that comes with that. When you labor, praise God, say in, the, in prayer or something like that for someone, it's never in vain in the Lord. There's a record that is being kept in heaven of each and everything that happens in this world. Did you know that? Good and bad. It's all being recorded. And all those great things, praise God, because we chose to obey God, when we would reach out to somebody that was in need, when we would pray for somebody that had need, when we would look to someone and do something for them that has a need, God watches every one of those things. And he says, your labor is never in vain in the Lord. When you share your faith with somebody, you know, they may not be accepting, they may not even be interested, but I'm telling you what, God sees it. He said, I'll tell you what, they, they made an attempt at least to tell that person of the hope. I can't tell you how many times people told me, and I didn't want to hear it. Huh? So don't be discouraged by that. Just, you know, shovel off the whole load. <laughs> Praise God. Right. You know? Let them call you a Bible thumper. 
Let them call you a fanatic. Let them call you whatever it is they want to call you. At least you told them. Huh? And they need to know. Now, I thank God people didn't give up on me. You know, because again, I don't, I don't know how many times people would tell me, you know, you need Jesus. Well, I knew that, but I don't want him. At least I didn't think I did. And that's the way people are. Why? Because the God of this world has blinded their minds. Well, I don't need that. Yeah, you do. You're dumb. You know, you just don't know it. Huh? So when you go over there, however many of you that stay, you go over there and we have lunch together, find the church workers and thank them for what they're doing. Why? Because they're putting into your children's hearts the truth of God's word so they won't end up in hell. Are you with me? That's priceless. Are you with me? So, well, I don't even know how to finish this. Do I have to finish it? Nah, I got a lot of time. You guys are doing good, okay? Why don't you look at this, uh, look with me. I want to give you an example here. Um, Turn to 1 Samuel 17, and and, uh, we'll we'll share this story with you, and perhaps it will help to um, bring this into bold relief so that you can see what we're talking about. Because Jesus gave us victory. But the question again is, how is that realized? Are you with me? I, I want to experience this victory in my life, don't you? Sure. So how is it realized in the life of a person? And I would just say this to you, and then I'll, I'll, we'll talk about this uh, 1 Samuel 17. If you're going to experience victory or have it realized within your life, now listen, you know, this may seem elementary or whatever, but listen to what I'm saying. If you're going to realize it in your life, then you have to first believe that it has been provided for you. Some people aren't convinced, okay? I mean, we've read all these scriptures, you know, that thanks be unto God that gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, you know, and all these different kinds of verses of scripture. But there are people that are still not convinced. They don't believe what it is that God has said. And the reasons are a variety. There's lots of different reasons why. For example, you know, people allow (laughs) unbelief. You remember Thomas, he said, man, unless I see him, I ain't going to believe. And a lot of people, they'll look around at their circumstances and say, yeah, right, you know, uh, it sure doesn't look like a victory for where I'm sitting. You know, their life hasn't been good. It hasn't been on the upswing. It hasn't been going in the direction that they want. And, and so the preacher's preaching victory, and they're going, yeah, right, whatever. See, the thing you have to understand is, is at some point, you're going to have to believe what it is he said in spite of what it is that's going on in your life. And you just have to say, listen, I take that. I'm having me some of that. Are you with me? And it just has to be that emphatic where your life is concerned. Otherwise, the devil will see to it you never enjoy what it is that Christ has provided for you. Am I in the right place? Huh? You know, because people allow unbelief to keep them from what it is that God has provided for them. In other words, again, their circumstances dictate one thing, but the Bible is saying something else. Hallelujah, don't have to stay there. I said, hallelujah, you don't have to stay there. At least be as wise as the four leopards 
You know, when they were outside the city, they said, why are we sitting here until we die? We might as well go in the city. If they kill us, we're going to die anyway. But praise God, because they made movement, guess what? They went in and they found the blessing. And the same thing can happen to you. How many of you believe that? So you have to first believe that the victory has been provided for you. Some people are incarcerated by their failures and by guilt. And so when I say, hey, man, God gave you the victory, they, they, they can't even see it. Why? Because this other experience in their life looms so large that they, for lack of a better way of saying it, can't get over it. You know, we've all had failings. We've all missed the mark. You know, we've all done things maybe that we shouldn't do, but thank God there is forgiveness with him. Huh? But you have to believe in that forgiveness and take a hold of it. You know, and there's countless, you know, examples in the scriptures where the woman, for example, taken in adultery, she, you know, Jesus said, where are your accusers? Is there no one here to condemn you? And she said, no one, Lord. And he says, neither do I. Now go and sin no more. There's forgiveness with him so that you can move forward in your life so that you can enjoy the victory that Jesus came to give you. Is this making sense to you? You know, for others, it might be, you know, I'm talking about things that hold people back from enjoying what it is that God has provided for them. Some people, bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, you know, all these other kinds of emotions that we could describe. I'm telling you what, Jesus Christ gave you the victory over them. Huh? Okay, I need to say that again. That didn't go over so big. I said, Jesus Christ provided for whatever it is that you need so that you can overcome so that you're no longer dominated by the anger, by the bitterness, by the whatever, the unforgiveness or whatever. He did it. Now, you might have to fight the good fight of faith. You might have to say, I don't care, devil, what you think about it. I'm doing life God's way, and I refuse to allow. You know, the Bible says resist the devil, not play into his hand. Resist him, and he will, what's the Scripture say? Flee. But if you let your emotions drive your decision-making process, it'll beat you every time. I know how you feel. We all, we all experience those kinds of feelings, emotions, you know. But you're going to have to decide that you're going to walk in the light of his word. And when you do, praise him. And that's what believing is. Saying, I don't care how I feel. I don't care what they did. I don't care what they said. I, have, I refuse to allow my life to be dictated by that. Don't let your past define who you are. It may be something that happened in your life, but it's not you. It just happened to you. But what's unfortunate is a lot of people do allow those things to define their lives. And so, I mean, you know, life's kind of short, you guys. I don't know if you noticed that or not. Dude, I was 29 not that long ago. Huh? My wife and I... We were doing some landscaping today, this last week, and, and um, well, you know, we're just, we don't move quite as fast as we used to. So number one, it's taken forever, you know, and number two, our, our bodies are barking. 
Do you know what barking means? So finally, you know, we got in the tractor. I've got this little jump seat she can sit. She says, why don't we just go drive around slow for a while, <laughs> and then we'll come back. We really didn't need to do that, but we did it anyway. Hallelujah. Why am I telling you that? I don't know. But anyway, um, <laughs> I guess you can't go by the way you feel. Glory to God. Yeah. So, um, did you all find David and Goliath? First, first uh, 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 Samuel. The reason I want to use David as an example is, is because he had a very improbable victory that took place within his life, but there's a reason why he won. And that's why when you look at your life and whatever it is that maybe you know, you're unhappy with, you don't like, it may seem like, well, this is never going to change or this is impossible or whatever. Listen, all things are possible to him that what? That what? Believes. Believes. Praise God. So in this situation, of course, in this, I mean, you talk about building it in bold relief, this does it. So David, young guy, 17 years old, he's supposed to be taking some cheese to his brothers and see how the whole battle thing's going on. And, and uh, if you'll notice with me, in uh, 1 uh, Samuel chapter 17, um, he finds out that there is a guy that is defying the armies of Israel and asking for someone to come out and do battle with him. Let's pick it up here in verse 4. It says here, and there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. Now, we don't, you know, there's some whatever. He's, he's big, okay? Uh, they figure, you know, maybe nine and a half, maybe ten feet tall. He's huge, okay? And so this guy, uh, it describes, you know, uh, his apparel and how he was and all this. Drop down to verse 8 for the sake of time. He stood and cried to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why are you come out to set yourself, uh, set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Hey, choose a guy from you and let him come down to me. And if I be able to fight with, uh, if he be able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be ours and serve us. And then this Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day, give me a man that we may fight together. So here's this intimidating figure. Here's this situation in the form of a man mocking the armies of Israel. A lot like what the devil does in your life when he says you're never going to make it. You'll never be able to do this. You'll never be able to succeed. You'll never have this. You'll never whatever, whatever, whatever. And it taunts you. You know, says, come on, you know, and we crouch in fear and hide. Now, let's go on. Uh, well, verse 11, we probably ought to read that. Saul and all of Israel heard the words of the Philistine. They were what? Dismayed and greatly afraid. You know, sometimes it takes courage to be a believer. Huh? Hallelujah. But you know, you got the lion of the tribe of Judah on the inside of you. Amen. So praise God, you can be uh, courageous. So again, now let's drop down in our story. Let's pick it up in verse 26. David was supposed to go take uh, some uh, provision to them. And in 26, 
Uh, notice it says, David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that kills this Philistine, takes away the reproach of Israel? Now listen to this. This is important. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Now that's covenant talk. Okay? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, my point to you in sharing this with you is David is not looking at his size. He doesn't care if he's got a spear the size of a weaver's beam, whatever that is. He doesn't care about any of that. He said, who is this uncircumcised, outside of the covenant of Israel? Huh? So, so my point to you in saying all this is, is this young 17-year-old evidently had been reading the Torah and he had it down and he realized that God had made a covenant with Israel and he was one of them and so the covenant belonged to him. And this guy there, he's outside of that, so he's way out of bounds as far as, you know, what it is that's going on. Are you with me? Let's go on reading, verse 26. Uh, verse 27, and the people answered him after this manner, saying, so shall it be done to the man that kills him. So, notice, I'm just going to keep reading. Well, no, I don't want to do that because we don't have time. Let's go down to 32. His, his brother got after him a little bit. And then in 32, David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Listen, what 17-year-old says that? I mean, think about that with me. I mean, what causes a 17-year-old to make that statement? It's not because he's 17. It's certainly not because he's back on the backside of someplace taking care of his father's sheep. No, there is something on the inside of him that has told him that guy is violating the covenant that we have and something needs to be done and I'm the guy. That's courage. That's boldness. So when you're dealing with sin in your life, you need to attack it the same way. But you can't do it if you don't have it in you. God's given you the victory. You just need to find out about it. I tell you what, you can put anger under your feet. You can put unforgiveness under your feet. You can take bitterness and put it under your feet. So that it never, ever, no longer dominates your life. Because he's given you everything that you need. Well, so going on reading. <laughs> he said, let no man's heart fail. Your servant will go out and fight the Philistine. And Saul said to him, you're not able to go out against this Philistine to fight. You're but a youth. He's a man of war from his youth. And David said, well, let me give you a little historical study. He said, your servant kept his father's sheep. There came out a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after them and I smote them and delivered them or it out of his mouth. And when he rose against me and I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Your servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this un, again, circumcised Philistine is going to be like one of them. Why? Seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. And then David said, glory to God, moreover, I mean, he started preaching. Woo! 
He said, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Now, he must have had some convincing agent in his voice. I don't think he was timid about what he said. Because Saul said, oh, well, go, and the Lord be with you. So Saul has no faith in what David is about to do. He said, well, maybe you ought to take my armor. He said, I don't need your armor. You know, there's a whole other story in that. Don't you love these stories? This really happened. Huh? Why is it written? It's written for our admonition. It's written for our encouragement that you and I can do the same things where our lives are concerned. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God will raise up a standard against it. Glory to God forevermore. Woo, there's more that be with us than that be with them. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Isn't that what the Bible says? So you know the rest of the story, dude. He went out there. And you know the thing that I like about it, again, there was no timidity in this kid's life. You know? You know, I'll just paraphrase it. You know, Goliath standing out there when he finally sees what's going on and who's coming, he said, my dog, you would send this kid, this red-headed, ruddy outfit out here, come here and I'm going to feed you to the birds. And David, I mean, you talk about, wow. He said, you're coming to me with a sword and a spear. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. You've defied the armies of Israel, and today God is going to deliver you into my hands. Man, that is powerful. And you know, the, the Goliath says, come on, buddy. And you know, he wasn't like, okay, how am I going to do this? I'm not sure. All right, we need to think this through. We need a strategy. Hey, can I call time out? No. The Bible says that he took off running at him. That's what you need to do, man, with the things that are going on in your life that you don't like, man. I mean, you need to start running at it. And while he is running, he reaches down in his satchel and gets himself a stone, and he puts it in his sling. And while he is running, everybody say he's running. He's running. He's running at it. And does one of these numbers and goes, woo! And guess what? He hit his target. Huh? I can't even begin to imagine what the Philistine army must have thought when that guy dropped over. They thought, man, watch this. You know, they're talking to one of them, this is going to be good. Watch this. That kid, he ain't got a chance. And all of a sudden, bam, Goliath's on the ground. And he keeps running. Everybody say he's running. And he goes to him and stands on him. Ain't got nothing to kill him with, so he takes his own sword and lops off his head. Now that, my friend, is victory. And that's the same victory that God has given to you and to me. Everybody say it together, if God be for me, God be for me. And, he is, and he is, who can be against me? <laughs> Nothing can be against you. He is the victorious one. And he came to give you the victory. Glory to God forevermore. 
Don't allow people around you. There's always going to be naysayers. Saul, I mean, he's the king. He says, dude, you can't do this. You know, that, that had to have some kind of impact, although David didn't allow it. But I mean, you know, when the king tells you you can't do it, you're young, you know, you're all this and that and the other, didn't even deter him a bit. He said, let me tell you what I know. This is what God has done. You know, God's done some things in your life. Huh? Maybe you need to rehearse some of those past victories when God came through and delivered you and set you free and made a way where there was no way and turned things around and did. You know, the same God that did that wants to do it for you again now. Are you with me? So I tell you what, praise God, your future's bright. You say, yeah, but what about the politicians? What about them? You know, what about them? You know, all this stuff that's going on, I mean, what difference does it make? Say, yeah, but, you know, our, our livelihood and our nation and our this and our that and our, you know, if you want to do something, pray. Pray. You know? You say, yeah, but what if everything goes, you know, goes south and all this and that and the other? We're going to heaven. Okay? We're going to heaven. You might get there sooner than you expected, but you're going. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm all for, you know, your civic involvement and all of these different kinds of things. I think that's well and good, but do, do not put your trust in men. Because they will fail you every time. I mean, I don't care which side of the fence you're on or if you're in the middle of the road. Failure is probably inevitable. Huh? Definitely a shift, a spiritual shift that's taken place. You know, when this thing all came and rolled out back, you know, the first part of 2020, you know, I mean, nobody could understand what was going on. But I tell you this much about it, something spiritual has happened. And we're in a different gear. Are you with me? Now, here's my point in saying that, because for you, for you and your perspective, you know, you have the temptation to be concerned. But that's why you better learn to believe what it is that God has said, or you're going to be in trouble, okay? I, I, can't, I can't help you beyond that, but you have every right to be able to believe what God has promised and know that Jesus gave you the victory. Come on. And you can trust him. The scripture says that it's only with your eyes that you will behold and see the reward of the wicked. I believe that. I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff going on, baby, but it shall not come near me. Isn't that what the Bible says? Come on. But if you don't believe that, then your life is going to be miserable. But it doesn't have to be. Let's do what we were asked to do. Let's reach all the people that we can with the gospel of the kingdom and come into the family of God, bring as many as we can in, and praise God, when God gets done and gets ready to wrap this thing up, we can all go home and be with Him. Huh? And have joy. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's where I'm going to live. Amen. 
You say, well, what if they come and take everything you got? I'm still going to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You know, he will take up for me, us, if you'll trust him. Are you with me? You ain't taking whatever you got with you anyway. You see, we think in such uh, temporal terms. But dude, there is an eternal kingdom that awaits us, that is coming, and the power thereof. And none of this will ever amount to anything compared to the glory that is going to be revealed in us. Hallelujah. So you need to rejoice. Hallelujah. And trust God. He'll deliver you. He did Daniel. Huh? Daniel, listen to me. I'm trying to quit. Besides, it's early yet. It's not even lunchtime. Daniel, now you talk about your life and you think about how bad you got it and all this and that and the other. Dude, you haven't been sold off into slavery to another land called Babylon. But he did. You know why that happened? You know, oh gosh, Lord. You know why that happened? Because the nation of Israel forsook God. You know why this mess is going on? Because America has forsaken God. People are saying, I don't need God. I don't need this. You are ignorant. And I'm saying it politely. Look at the history. I'm going to get back to Daniel. Hold on. But look at the history of Israel. Repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. They say, you know, God would say, do this, don't do that. They say, yeah, right, got it. Last for a while, start doing their own thing, end up in a mess, have to repent, and God would deliver them. Over and over and over and over again. Are you with me? So here we are. You know, people, you know, and God we trust, you know, all of them. People in America don't trust God. Now, many do. Don't, Don't just make that a blanket statement. But you got to realize, you know, you think about the people that got voted or elected in, people voted them in. You want to pray for something? Pray for the people of this nation. Huh? Because they're the ones that are doing this choosing. You say, oh, no, no, no. I heard this conspiracy and it's this and that and the other and whatever. Listen, I'm telling you what, God's bigger than any mess or conspiracy anybody can build. The problem is that people have forsaken God. And the only answer to that is repentance. That's it. Now, while you're all, you know, not all happy anymore, lest you be discouraged, just because that's happening to them, it doesn't mean it has to happen to you. You can still have, you know, life and life more abundant. You can still enjoy the blessing of God in your life. But I think we need some perspective. Huh? You know, some people, they think, well, you know, nothing could ever happen to America. Dude, America's just like any other empire. Did you hear me? It's an empire. It got established upon biblical, godly promises. And what happened? God began to bless this thing in the last 200 and some years, 40 some years. I mean, rocket blessing. You think about everything that happened in Europe and all the stuff that was going on throughout the world, Egypt, any place else, in the Arab countries or whatever, nothing has happened like what happened in this country because a bunch of God-fearing people said, we're going to live for God. 
and we're going to establish it upon a constitution that is for people and, and so on and so forth. And man, whew! But now here we are. And we got people that have forsaken God and say, I don't need God. Well, listen, you do need God. And you're going to find out soon enough. Are you with me? But thank God the people of God will be preserved. You will be preserved. Because God said that he would take care of his own. How many of you believe that? So you want to do something? Pray for the nation. No, let me say it again. Pray for the people of this nation. That their eyes would be enlightened to know what is the hope of your calling. There are no political answers to what we're dealing with. Did you hear me? There ain't no guy who's going to fix this. Or women or whoever. The only thing that can fix this is him. And how do we know, <laughs> burgers are on, how do we know that this isn't just the bringing about and the culmination of all things before he comes? You say, well, I don't like that very much. Listen, dude, heaven is so much better than this, okay? Yeah, but my life's not over. You're right, it's not. You're just going to take it up somewhere else. Are you with me? You know, when back in the 70s and 80s, you know, it's like, well, how's this all going to happen? You know, how could this all happen? You know, it doesn't look like it. I mean, but it is amazing how all the stars are starting to line up. You know, the Bible talks about, you know, the war of Armageddon. So you have all these alliances and everything's changing, you know, and everybody, you know, we used to be in alliance with Turkey. Now we're not so much. You know, there's all these things that are going on. But you know, he said, don't let your heart be troubled. I hope that what I'm sharing with you isn't, you know, like, my God, I'm not going to be able to eat lunch now. I'm so stirred up. What am I going to (laughs) do? That is not my intent. But I think people need some perspective. Huh? You know, listen, it's going to be okay. Last week, I was talking to you about a gal. She says, I need a word. I said, a word? She doesn't attend our church. You know, said, yeah, I, I need a word for this COVID, you know, so that I won't be in fear. I said, fear not. <laughs> That's a word. Fear not. Now, she's a believer, you know, and it was a little bit more than that. I mean, the conversation was a little bit more than that. But it's not a word. There's 365 times in the Bible it says, don't fear. Are you with me? You say, well, yeah, but that's easier said than done. Well, is it? I mean, you can choose not to fear. Yeah, there really is a difference between this and this. So you just bathe yourself in the Bible and allow his promises. I mean, you know, God says one thing to you. The battle is over. You win. Huh? Well, okay. I don't know where to go from here. Bill, you got an idea? You ever check this guy's hat out? Amazing grace. Glory to God. And he's a hat like that. That'll preach. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Amen. Well, let's everybody stand up. You say, you're just going to leave us like that? Well, no, I'm not quite done, but 
Hallelujah. Listen, everyone. We're living in some of the greatest days that men have ever seen because it preempts his coming again. Remember Simeon? Remember Anna? They're looking, and he showed up. A little subtle that time. Came in the form of a child, born of a virgin in Bethlehem. Ain't going to be subtle this next time, boys and girls. Huh? Because he's coming in power. And we're going to be able to lift up our eyes and say, Jesus, come quickly. Praise God. So let's bow our heads together for just a moment. Let me pray with you. Hallelujah. You know, I talked to you about realizing and experiencing the victory that we have in Him. And maybe fear has captured your heart. Well, today, praise God, is a good day to put it under your feet. Maybe it is, you know, unforgiveness. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's anger. I don't know what it is. But I tell you what, this is a good day to put it under your feet. Hallelujah. And, you know, the thing of it is, is that, you know, God wants to do some powerful things in our lives. But it's time to believe. It's time to act. It's time to say to our circumstances, you can no longer dominate me. I refuse, hallelujah, to be dominated by, I keep coming back to this thing of fear. But you don't have to be dominated by it. Pray this prayer with me, church. Say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today with a thankful heart. And I thank you for your word that you've spoken to me. Today, Father, I choose to believe what it is you've said. And I thank you for the victory that is in Christ Jesus. I receive what belongs to me as a child of God in Jesus' name. Now, I'd like while your heads are still bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. You know, sometimes when, when a minister or a pastor or someone preaches a message and, you know, you're sitting listening and all of a sudden you realize, you know what, I know that I'm, I need to make an adjustment. I need to repent. I need to correct something within my heart. And I would never, ever want to leave a service without affording you that opportunity, if you're aware of it and, and you desire to do it. So while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. If you're saying, Pastor, you know, I, I, I see something that I've known it's there, but I, I acknowledge it here right now, and I want to make it right. Can I see your hand wherever you're at? We'll pray with you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Who, who else? Yes. Anyone else? Thank you, ma'am. Bless you. Anyone else? We're not here to embarrass anyone. You'll not, you will not be embarrassed. But what that does, when you say by your uplifted hand, it acknowledges before God that, that you and him are on the same page. Anyone else before we pray? If there's anyone here you've never asked Christ to come into your heart, be the Lord of your life. The Bible says today is the day of salvation and now is the accepted time. Don't wait. Don't wait. Give your heart to him and let him be Lord in your life. While heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Is there anyone you say, Pastor, pray for me? I have an interest in your prayer. I want to be born again. I want to receive Christ. Anyone as I look? Anyone? Thank you, sir. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? 
Praise God. You can put your hand down once you've raised it. Anyone else? We're going to lead these that have responded in a prayer together, church. We're all going to pray. Those of you that raised your hand, I want you just to pray the prayer loud enough for yourself to hear it and let your heart agree with it. Say this with me. Dear Father in heaven, I come to you today without reservation, and I ask you to forgive me and come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin, and I thank you, Lord, for your promise to me that you would do just that in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God.